Well, good morning, Community Church. We're getting ready to start our second service here. Hello to everybody watching online. We're believing this morning that the Lord wants to come. He wants to move in this place. He wants to touch hearts. He wants to make himself known. So let's stand to our feet this morning. Let's invite him to come and to move in this place. So, Father, we ask that you would come this morning. We submit our hearts to you. We lay down all those things that we easily get consumed with. And this morning we say you are Lord, you are God, and we choose to put our full focus on you because you are good, because you are faithful, because you are amazing. So, Father, we choose to honor and worship you in Jesus' name. Let's worship him this morning. Bel Perazim. I believe that's the place where David said it's like the breakthrough of many waters. Now, there's a prophetic theme all, of, all through Scripture. And sometimes we may not realize the significance of these prophetic themes. But when Jesus was talking about those who believe, he said, Out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Let me say this, that, that that choice of words and imagery is not by accident. That that spiritually represents the victory for every battle that you have. Every battle that you have will come when there's a breakthrough of the river of life into your life. And what God has given you is a a well inside of you that can spring up with that living water. And the nature of that living water is death cannot conquer it. Death cannot quench the living water. But rather, that living water is so powerful, when it touches poison waters, they're made clean. When it touches dead things, they come alive. When it touches land that is barren and drought, and is, is uh, powerless to bring a yield of anything productive, the water of life changes its very constitution. And so Jesus said, listen, I'm going to give you the spirit of life. I'm going to allow the river of life to flow through you. And so your victory is simply this. Don't get stopped up. Don't get to the place where you're so despondent you cannot worship. Don't get to the place where you're so depressed where you cannot begin to exalt him with your mouth. He said, listen, your victory's near you even in your mouth. And you know me, I'm a big, I'm a big supporter of praying in tongues because when you pray in an unknown tongue, that's what you're doing. You're releasing living water. And when there's an enemy that's contending against you, he's contending against the release of living water. And so the breakthrough, the breakthrough is the place of the sound of many waters. As it happens, Jesus' voice is described as the sound of many waters. When Jesus speaks, it sounds to the enemy like rushing mighty water. And when the saints together begin to release their hearts in the spirit with the shout, with the roar, it sounds like the sound of many waters because it is. Because it is. Because it is. And the breakthrough will come to the nation of Canada. When the collective voice of the church is the sound of many waters. And so we unashamedly release this morning against the strongholds of darkness and confusion and witchcraft. We say in Jesus' name. The Bible says that in Psalms 149, it says that, It is the privilege of the sons of God. It is the privilege, it is the responsibility, but it is the right to declare 
the written judgments. And you don't have to be a prophet to declare the written judgments because the Bible is full of them. And what does it say? It says that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. It says that every enemy will be trampled underfoot. It says that in the end, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord. Father, we say in Jesus' name, no enemy and no weapon formed will prevail. No weapon formed against us will prosper. No weapon formed against the people of God will prosper. Come on. Stir your heart. The source of your depression is witchcraft. The source, the source of discouragement are arrows of thoughts and knowledge that have a source in the demonic kingdom of hell. In Jesus' name, let them be quenched right now. Every pastor, every leader, every intercessor, I say to the fiery flames that speak discouragement, shut up, be quiet. You will not prevail. You will not set a flame. You will not kindle a fire. I break your power. Yes. I break your power. Oh, I can feel it. I can feel it dispersing right now. No weapon formed against us can prosper suicide flee from here flee from spruce grove flee from parkland county ho suicide no no we say no we say no we say no We say no. The church will not close. It will open. The church will not close. It will open. Faith will not decrease. It will increase. Come on, church. Take the ground. Take the ground that is your family. Take the ground that is your business. Take the ground that is your neighborhood. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You may be sitting there and you may be thinking, I don't know what this is all about. But the Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not natural. They're not physical. But they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We battle daily against an invisible army. We battle daily against spirits that are sent to harass you and like dogs bite at your heels. When Israel was advancing and conquering, their journey was a picture of our journey as the church. And when Moses came and met Pharaoh, Pharaoh calls for the sorcerers of Egypt. When Balaam the king was threatened by Israel, he calls his false prophet and he says, curse them. And when he goes to curse them, the prophet says, no, there's no sorcery that can prevail against these people. Because what wins the battle is not the skill with the sword or the strength of the man's arms, but is the spiritual covering under which that army flows. That's why Joshua said, listen, let's go in because their covering is gone from them. The allegiance, the covenant 
that they had with principalities and powers has been broken already. We can step in. Their strength has gone from them. They are powerless. They are plunder before us. The battle is already won. Come on, we got to start believing this. This is what changes cities. This is spiritual warfare. And the prophet said, listen, take the arrows and hit the ground. So the king took the arrows and he hit the ground three times and he stopped. And the prophet said, what are you doing? Why didn't you hit it six times or seven? Now you'll only have three victories. And the king thought, well, I thought this was ceremonial. I thought this was empty artistic, uh, you know, liturgy. I thought this dancing was just to make the room colorful. I thought our movement with our hands was just because we were excited and you couldn't contain yourself. No, 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 no. Moses is standing on the hill and the, and the children are fighting the children of the Amalekites and they advance or, or fall back based on whether Moses continues to worship. And the Spirit of God is saying, when is the church going to make the connection? This is not natural warfare. This is spiritual warfare. And you are being plundered by an unseen enemy because you refuse to engage on the field of battle where the difference is being made. Come on, church. Come on, church in Canada. Worship in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name, we say the province of Alberta will be the the land of God's inheritance. We say the province of Alberta will, will flow with the oil of righteousness. We say our political leaders will know God. And we say, righteousness will prevail. In Jesus' name, I see walls crumbling. I see the defense of the enemy withering. I see the enemy scattering. I see confusion. I see confusion coming upon the camps of the enemy. I see the ripple effect of the fear of the Lord. Once again, this is not ceremony. I want you to picture parts of Alberta. I want you to picture Grand Prairie. I want you to picture places like Fort McMurray. I want you to picture places up north. And we're saying, Lord, every place we walk in the spirit. Lord, these lands are your lands. These lands are your lands. Marauders and invaders will be driven from this land. Marauders and invaders will be driven from this land. Now, I know we've done this before, but I want to do it again. When Balaam and Balak, Balaam was the prophet, but he said, Balaam the prophet said, no, sorcery is not going to win over these people. He said, because the shout of the king is in their midst. Which king? There's only one king. And the shout of the king is a shout that comes from the, uh, the king's army. Because an assault on the messenger of the king is an assault on the king himself. And the shout of the messenger of the king who comes in the name of the king is the shout of the king himself. So I'm going to count to three and we're going to release a shout. But before we do, why did we do this this morning? Not by my choice. This wasn't what I wanted to do this morning. But it doesn't matter. I felt, as we were trying to advance and worship, I felt the attack. I felt the resistance. I felt the restraint. What are you going to do when an enemy stands at your door and says you can't come out and... Well, you're not going to talk to me that way. we got to deal with this enemy. So, on the count of three, I want you to release the shout of victory. One, two, three. Hey! 
There's power. There's power when the rivers of living water merge and are released. There's something about the waters of God when it comes to strong. Nothing can stop a tsunami. Nothing can stop a tsunami. Wow. So, Father, we thank you that you have given us weapons for breaking, for breaking the armies of the enemy, for breaking the back, for shattering the teeth of the enemy. Let me tell you, there, there was a scene in, uh, maybe, 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 Cam, you can fill in the details, when uh, you can, because you know all the names of these characters, but in, in the, uh, not the Lord of the Rings, the other one, the lion one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're underground in the, what is essentially the kingdom of darkness. And the witch brings some incantation, and they, they start to forget where they even came from. Do you remember that story? Can you explain that, the background of that? The book's called The Silver Chair. A prince has been taken, captured underground, and a witch uh, is guarding him, keeping him. And the children from Narnia show up to come and rescue him. And as they're there, they're trying to just release the prince and remind him of the world above. And the witch begins to throw some stuff on the fire and the smoke starts to roll and they start to get cloudy. And, and she starts saying, you know, what is the sun? Isn't it just like this little candle? Didn't you just expand this little thing? Isn't it all an illusion? That's not real. And it gets to the point where Puddleglum, yes, I know the names, has to kick the wood out from the fireplace to stop the smoke coming because the witchcraft is making them cloudy and they can't remember. Witchcraft, when it enters your home and it affects your mind, it causes a cloudiness, causes everything to become opaque. Suddenly, what used to be real, this is why people backslide because what was real in one moment of their life begins to appear imaginary. They begin to wonder if it ever really happened. Did I ever really have an experience with God? You know, because suddenly it all is foggy. It all is unclear. And it seems so unlikely now. Spiritual realities become unlikely to the mind inculcated in witchcraft, in the fog, in the smoke of the burning demonic incense. But we have a wind, we have a sound that can push away the fog, that can push away the obscurity. This is your warfare, church. And I'm happy for the ones that will go out and go door to door and who will talk to people about Jesus. But if you don't deal with the murkiness of the atmosphere around their heads and their lives, you'll never make any headway. Because even if you give them a moment of clarity, it quickly dissipates as soon as they leave because their, their whole life is surrounded in fog. Christians, church... You have to create an atmosphere of clarity. That's what worship is about. That's what spiritual ascension is about. We are not commemorating something that just happened 2,000 years ago. We are re-entering the moment of victory when darkness uh, was, in, was separated by light, when light entered and darkness scattered seven ways. We are re-entering moments like that not just remembering them, recreating them for now. Everything else is useless tradition. Father, and I want to pray this with faith because I feel such a passion for the churches across Canada that are caught up in ritual and tradition who do things because their fathers did them and because their fathers before them did them. They sing the songs that their fathers and their grandfathers sung, but they don't know how to enter into a moment of clarity. They don't know how to enter into moments of revelation and manifestation. 
The church is a place of manifestation. So, Father, we pray, we intercede. Let there be an awakening across Alberta. Let there be awakening in every church. Let suddenly the winds of God begin to blow through corridors. Scatter the darkness. Scatter. We're not here because of the brilliance of our eloquence. We're not here because we know everything. We're here because we need another revelatory moment. And what I retain intellectually of the last moment is not really as important as what happens right now in this moment. This is our daily bread. Oh, oh God, we love you. Oh, Jesus, we love you. Oh, Jesus, we love your presence. Oh, oh God. There's a presence here that hasn't been here the whole morning. Father, we say we love your presence. Come on. Just invite, invite Holy Spirit. We love your presence, Lord. And I don't care if we ever get to a message this morning. It's not because I don't have something to say. But one drop of the oil of his presence. If you're watching online, let the drop, let the honey drop of the oil of his presence fall and splatter in the room where you are. Discouragement and disappointment wash away. Let fear wash away. Let the fear wash away. Let the fear wash away. Let the fear wash away. Spruce Grove. So, Father, we want to thank you, Lord, today. Everything necessary for life, everything necessary for godliness is already provided in the manifestation of who you are, in the knowledge of you. Lord, we want to know you more. We want to, we say, God, we want to spend our life advancing in this one thing that we might know you, that we might know you more. God, this is our desire. And everybody said, amen. We had some women here worshiping yesterday, um, and I just thought it'd be cool if Di came and shared a little bit um, about a couple of things that happened. I'll just share quick. Whoa. Apparently we were yelling a little bit. Uh, wow. I am astonished. Well, I'm a little overwhelmed by this morning, so... But... Uh, what God can do in 24 hours is astounding to me. It is absolutely astounding to me. Patterns of living, patterns of behavior, patterns of thinking, of mindsets, strongholds, broken, changed in an instant. And that is the necessity of coming together in this season. It is really important. Breakthroughs that have been long awaited for as people walk on their own. And don't speak it out loud, but speak it in their mind and in their hearts. And then come and just share vulnerably, this is what's going on. And God just says, whoosh, let me just come and change your whole life. And I know you all know I'm dramatic, but I'm actually not being dramatic in this moment because God did this. It was astounding. It was shocking. It was shocking to me to watch one from this, this face, this, uh, this torment or whatever to, wow, the face completely changed, countenance changed, changed in an instant, in, like an instant. And, uh, 
Even Amanda had released last night the word clarity, and all this morning the word clarity kept coming. Clarity, 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 clarity. Just by rev- just by bringing our our whole hearts together, there was just uh, just God is just so good. He did it all. We were almost hands off. We were hands off, and I think Jenna, what was she going? What is going on? What in the world is going on? What is going on? Because it was so beyond. We we thought of that song, set a fire down in our soul that we can't contain, that we can't control. Do we really want that? Sometimes not really. But that happened here last night. We couldn't control. We had let go, and there was an absolute release of the power of the Holy Spirit to change people from where they were to a new place. And it is an eternal one. It's not just like, oh, that was that. Now we'll go back. No, there was no going back. It is a permanent change. So there was a moment that hasn't been felt in a long time. And it's this moment Di's talking about where we for a season have been facilitating the Holy Spirit in the house. You know, you have to steward it and you're, you're managing it on a level where, oh, I see the anointing falling here. Okay, we're going to lean into this. I see the anointing here. We're going to lean into this. And something happened where the Holy Spirit just took the strings. He took control and it was out of anybody's hands. Man did not have the reins and it felt wild. It felt... Uh, chaos, but it was amazing. And I, it was a sign to me that we are stepping into a season where the Holy Spirit is going to have the reins and things are going to feel a little bit out of control and we can't be afraid of that. And so we just confess as a body, it's a little bit nerve wracking. It's a little bit terrifying, but God in this season, would you train us to let go of the reins, to let go of control and God, we want the spirit to hover over this place and lead us and lead us and you decide where we go. You decide. So it's really exciting. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) You know, um, I don't know what is about to happen, but on Friday, I made a declaration as a part of a meeting inviting the spirit of Elijah back to this church. And those of you that have been here a while, you'll remember a pinnacle moment in the, in, the, in the life of this body when the Lord released the spirit of Elijah. And uh, there, is, there is a unique requirement uh, for stewarding that and one of the requirements is you got to step back from control. So, Father, we uh, we we want to say we don't know how to steward a revival atmosphere. We don't know. We're we're trying to get to a place where we where we can, but Father, help us. We say, help us, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's already 12.03, which means uh, we've only got an hour and a half left to our service. <laughs> yeah. Now, let me, I'm already tired. I'm already tired. But, ah, um, oh, thank you, Lord. I just, uh, I'm going to keep this concise. But I, the Lord spoke to me this morning, started on a theme that was familiar, but and narrowed that theme to this idea. God is wanting to scatter proof us. He's wanting to make us not scatterable. He wants to make us cohesive, a unit of people that are able to walk in covenant. Now, if you've been around this church for, for a while, you realize that a lot of the people that we've walked with and a lot of the uh, the spiritual enterprises that we've been connected with have to do with the significance of this thing called spiritual family. And along that, what we're learning is what it takes to be indivisible. What it takes to to be able to stay connected to my brother and not get scattered and not get offended, 
not get annoyed, not get uh, all of those negative things that would cause us to break fellowship. And, um, and it's, it's not easy. It's not easy. But I discovered two things in this journey. I discovered on the one hand how impossible it was that despite all of my vows, me personally, you know, I, I've, I've been like Peter in some respects. You know, Peter, he said, these all may forsake you, but I will never forsake you. You know, because I, I believed that I had that kind of thing. You know, of all the things I am and I'm not, I am loyal. I am not disloyal. And on a human level, right? This Peter made that boast on a human level. Yeah, he, he had proved that. He meant it. He, he had lived that out. And probably that was his, you know, if there was something written on his gravestone, right? Would have been this. Loyal to a fault. That's Peter, right? But, you know, he, he didn't realize he's not up against human dynamics here when it comes to the kingdom of God. And when he boasted, these may forsake you, but I will not, he didn't know that he was going to be up against principalities and powers that were going to find the tiniest little bit of self-preservation in in him to leverage uh, so that at the end of the day, it was either my life or his life, I choose him. And and that's, that's what Peter did. You know, but, but in every other scenario, he had been the loyal guy, you know. He's the guy you wanted along, along his side. And I, I esteemed myself to be that kind of person. And you know what? On, other, on lesser levels, I had actually been tested. But the illusion is this idea that, oh, this is, this is eternal, that, that every situation is the same. But what you realize is that there's an, escal- an escalation of spiritual environments. And it's kind of like moving up the ranks of a sports uh, enterprise, you know, where you're playing at the lowest levels. And each level you go, the skill level required to compete and to not have your, your weaknesses see- easily exploited uh, are increasingly small. And so, so what makes for a great... You know, junior hockey player, you know, that's not going to fit. It's not going to work. You get up to that next leap. You get up to, to a semi-pro and you get up to pro and, and you're going to be fodder. And that's the reality that we don't know. We, trans, we take one situation. Well, you know, I was, I was nice to this person. I, I was the best friend that, that guy ever had. So therefore, I qualify. I, I, am, I can be that to Jesus. Eh, tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> Try and be that to this guy who has just a little more spiritual warfare around his life than your friend that you grew up with. If you can maintain that, if you can resist from scattering and leaving and forsaking that relationship, then we'll test you with another one and another and another and another. And eventually we'll push you to your breaking point like Peter was pushed until he realized, ah, oh, I'm no better than my father's. I'm no better than everyone else that I, that I accused and thought I was superior to. And of course, uh, there's a whole message in that. Part of, part of Peter's, Peter's lesson was like, God was trying to say, no, listen, Peter, I know you're loyal, but there's a kind of a ability to be bonded to people that is beyond your capacity for loyalty. It's beyond human strength. It's beyond your emotional commitment to love. And I need you to tap into that. But as long as you think this, what, this, this, this glue that you have, that's out of, a part of your nature, your personality, your soul, if you think that's satisfactory, I need to break that off of you. And hey, well done. Took you, you, you made it all the way up to the top tier here before you failed. <laughs> you know, you got to walk with Jesus and then you threw him under the bus. You know, so well done. A lesser man would have thrown other people under the bus long before this. But the point is here, Peter, you also failed. And if, if somebody fails in one point of the law, you failed the whole law. Like, you know, it, it doesn't matter, but I did better than them. doesn't matter. You know, hell is filled with people of various levels of righteousness. 
all of which are human, all of which are, are not born of God. God is saying, listen, I, I, I didn't call you just to be the best version of you. I called you to be a version of me. And that takes my DNA, takes my life, takes my power working inside of you. And you may be the brightest and you may be the strongest and you may be the most committed in this world, but that's, that's only going to keep you from tapping into the real substance I want to give you. So I, I had that. And um, so I, I said there was two things about this that I learned. I can't remember what the second one was, but I may have already done it. But the reality is God is looking for a people who can walk together in unity. So he's been scatterproofing us. Scatterproofing. Yes, that's the word I'm using, scatterproofing. You're going to be scatterproofed when you're done. When all this is done, the thing they're going to say about, about uh, Jim Denotter, he was, he was scatterproofed. Yeah, stayed with that church through thick and thin. Scatterproof, you know. And again, we don't want to talk about the journey. But this is, this is the essence because the nature of spiritual conflict, that when you go up against spiritual strongholds, when you face spiritual strongholds, your impulse is to scatter. Your impulse is to retreat. Your impulse is to break ranks. And so the promise we have is of an army that will never break ranks. They'll, they'll never leave that cohesive position joined with the family of God. Oh, that was the other thing. Ah, there we go. I knew it would come back one point. But as I've been walking with the family around the earth, right, so I, 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 uh, I realize, oh, there's levels of where, where your covenants are tested. But I started to realize there was an inhuman, uh, an inhuman quantity and quality of love available uh, that I could tap into. Now, I want you to think for a second. Who do you love most in your whole life? Like, who do you, who are you committed to more than anybody? I want you to think about that person right now. It might be your mom. It might be your dog. <laughs> well, it's not a sad thing, but hopefully you got people in your life. Now, your dog's capacity to stay stick, st- connected to you, that's inhuman. <laughs> Literally. But... But there's a, there's a, you know, we all have a certain capacity. And what, we, what, we, what happens is we decide that, okay, I can love my, you know, my organic family, my mom, my dad, my wife, my children. I love them on one level. Everybody else is tier two, right? Because I just don't have the capacity. And I've talked about this before. I used Jerry Seinfeld as an example, right? Because he had no family, but he had three friends. And that three friends was his max. He couldn't, he couldn't care about anything beyond those three friends. You know, it's like, it's like anybody who is a casual acquaintance, yeah, you're a casual acquaintance, but I'll never really lift a finger to help you. I just don't believe that A, it's necessary, or B, it's possible. And that's, that's the way people live. And we all live that way. It's just some of us, our circles are a little bit bigger. You know, our tier two circle might have 10 people in it. We might have an immediate circle where we say, oh, my children, my family, like we're, it's us and no more. And there's this, there's this demarcation point between those that are in this group and everybody else. What, I, what God began to show me is that there was a capacity for love for people that you hardly ever see that was on par or greater than your greatest loves. Now, if you haven't experienced that, that seems impossible. I remember talking to a guy, and uh, this guy's a super chatterback, super social, right? He'll talk to anybody, anywhere, usually about himself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, he just, and he's talking one day, and he says, you know, you really only have two real friends your whole life. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. how do I explain to him the body of Christ? How do I explain to him what I have come into, what God has showed me, what was possible, the love that God has poured out in my heart? Like, there's just no possible way I could convince him Beyond that measure, because this is the outskirts. I mean, he was nice to everybody, but there was, in his mind, a quality, a huge quality of devotion and love between what I have for you, I'll treat you with respect, I'll be nice to you, I'll say, hey, hey. 
But only these people do I really love. I discovered that in God, in the heart of God, there's a capacity to value, treasure, lay your life down for people way beyond that tiny little circle. God is, what God is doing is saying, listen, as long as those gaps exist, you are not indivisible because you're, you're not scatterproof because you will, you will hold to these ones more than these ones, more than these ones, more than these ones. And these ones, you'll let go right off the bat. I was struck by something a little while ago when, when Paul was talking about the honor and the regard we should have for one another. You know, we should have our brothers. He, he's, and I thought, oh, yeah, this is good. But, but he qualified this. He said, he said, listen, we need to be able to treat these, this group of people with a, with a high level of care. And you know what, how he defined that group? The people for whom Christ died. I thought, that's a huge group, Paul. That's a massive group of people. You have, I'm thinking, you have this innate regard for all of them? Where do you get that from? Not from you. Not from me. Not from my, my family devotional etiquette, you know, of what, what I've been taught growing up, of how to regard people. No, 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 no. And that's great. You might be sitting here, you might be Dutch, you think, we, we, we know what family is. You know, we are, we are connected. We know, let me tell you, none of our family traditions, none of your parents' culture, none of those things are any measure of what you should have as the body of Christ. And the faster you dispose of that measurement system, the better. In fact, some people are so committed to blood relatives, it's a problem. Because it's us and them. Everything is always us and them. God is saying, no, I want you to see that that circle, you know, of intimacy is not big enough. And, you, and it's, it's at the size it's at because you're living out of your limited capacity. What if you could live out of my love? Oh, I don't even know what that's like. Well, here we are. Right? We're all here in this place. So the ability to be scatterproof, the ability to, to lay my life down all the time. Oh, man. Sounds tough, eh? I mean, I have to care about them and them and them. And furthermore, like, you know, I would give my chair up at church for that guy, but not for him. And definitely not for that guy. Do, you, do, do we have that system at work? In, right? I think, oh, if the pastor wanted to sit here, I would gladly give him up my seat. And that's the problem. But you wouldn't for everybody else. So these tears in our life are really, the enemy's looking at that and saying, okay, push comes to shove. <laughs> I, I just got to pull this card. Isn't this what he said with Job? He said, skin for skin. You know, you just touch this or touch that or that. He's, he's gone. Right? Now, as it turns out, Job was able to maintain, a whole other story almost doesn't, doesn't work. He was able to maintain that commitment to God. But the question is, what do I really have? How, how unscatterable am I? Now, let me give you an idea of the, the spiritual dynamics because when, I'll turn to Genesis 11, I'll quickly read this. Or maybe I won't even read it except for one verse. Genesis 11. It's the Tower of Babel scenario. And basically, God, God comes down and he sees that the people are one. He sees that they're united. They're completely devoted. They're one language. They're of one mind. And he says, nothing will be impossible to them. And so what I'm going to do, I'm going to scatter them by scattering their speech. Now, let me, let me tell you, principalities and powers are watching this, and they're going to, to model their attack against the body of Christ after this, because that's what the enemy does. He looks at what God does, and he, said, and he says, uh, oh, that's what I need to do. I need to, I need to segment them. 
I need to uh, uh, create different camps based on a kind of a language that they use, right? So that's what he does. He, so we, we, we develop our own language, and then he makes it hard for us to communicate. Just the other day, I was online. Well, I had posted something, and somebody came along line going, kind of a demonic rant. And I, uh, I was thinking, ah, oh, this guy, his words, my words are being so twisted by him and his mind. I'm thinking, communication is impossible. Well, the words are being twisted because there's a spirit that's trying to create division in the body of Christ. And that always happens when, when you're coming up against spiritual strongholds. So anyway, God is looking and he's trying to make us indivisible. But what these guys were, they were indivisible until God confused their languages. And so the enemy tries to do that same thing to us. In fact, we have a promise from Deuteronomy 28, verse 7. It says, The Lord will cause your enemies to rise against you and be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and shall flee seven ways. That is a scattering. That is, that is you know, the enemy's coming one way. He's like a laser. And there's something powerful in the concept of oneness. It's kind of like it's illustrated in the high heel. You know, you know what I mean by that? You know, the high heel, it's got a, a point. All the weight of your, of your walking is, is focused on that one point so that if you're here, standing here, you're okay. But if you go out and you do that on the lawn, what happens? Your heel goes right into the ground. So, so he wants to die. The enemy that is coming against us is trying to diffuse. He's trying to spread out the impact of our assault, and we're trying to spread out the impact of his assault. That's what the enemy is trying to do. That's why scattering is so important. If we could stay cohesive, if we could stay united, we win. And, and so God says to Israel, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be with you such that when your enemies come out against you one way, they'll scatter. But we see other moments when the enemy came and Israel scattered. Right? So the victory was won by those who don't scatter. Let me put it really simple. God is building in us a capacity to not scatter. So how are we doing? How's that working for us? Well, I'm still married. Excellent. Some of us are, some of us aren't. Right, you know, maybe we maybe that was the first uh, idol to fall. We thought, oh, this is great. We're Christians. We're getting married. It'll never fail. You know, about eight months into it, it's like I'm out of here. Why? Because you didn't have it in you. People come to churches and they say, oh, this is a great church. Love this church. Yeah, so long as that church is not stuck touching your stronghold. Then as, then as soon as the things that God's trying to deal with in your life start to get touched as you, as you start to enter into fellowship and connection and rub shoulders with people, then boom, you're out of here. Well, yeah, I thought it was the anointing, but apparently it was Jezebel. <laughs> yeah, but it's not you for sure, right? The Lord has tested me and I have failed. I have failed. Let me say this. I have failed. And I thought, well, yeah, but there's good reason in this case. And the Lord is saying, no, that's not the criteria. That's not, that's not an excuse. When I call you to, to love somebody, you know, if I'd call you out of that church when that time that you actually got mad at that pastor and offended and, and not able to listen to a word he said, everything graded you, everything was annoying, Okay, that's not me. I've done I've been on this path and I almost I almost vacated when it came to my spiritual father and my elder brother. I was I called David Demian my elder brother because he was ahead of me in this journey, but Gideon was really a spiritual father to me and the, the both of them disappointed me so many times. And by disappointed I mean they didn't do what I wanted them to do. 
You know, but at some point you need to say, you know, maybe my, maybe my dad knows better. Maybe there's something in this I don't see. But, you know, no, no, he's just been using me. He's, he's just been trying to keep me down. He's afraid of my anointing. <laughs> you may think I'm joking, but that is literally the kind of conversations, kind of language I heard from somebody, from people. God is trying to get us to be one, to be one, to be one. I'll, I'll close with this. So we, uh, we have discovered that there's some spiritual strongholds when you come up against them, it's easier to fragment on your side. It's, it's easier to begin to scatter. And the political world is just that one. There's a reason why the political world is so controversial there's a reason why the political world is so scattered there's a reason why there's like 25 political parties in israel i mean can you imagine that 25 is it 25 or 28 or something i mean it's an insane amount right well what makes them so different well these guys wanted a yellow flag and these ones wanted a red flag (laughs) right i mean maybe it's not that simple but the point is well, that, that one thing, we differed on that one thing. And so, let's start a new party. Oh, they want orange chairs in that church. Let's go to a different church. No, wait 30 years. They'll be brown eventually. <laughs> this too shall pass. <laughs> Oh, so God is trying to get us to stay. And when you go up against certain spiritual strongholds, the diffusion that happens, the, the dissemination of opinion, the, the breaking apart, the oneness, well, we're going to go and we're going to do this, and all of a sudden, it's kind of like this. I actually want to see a great picture of it. The, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they're, they're putting Paul on trial, right? Remember they're putting Paul on trial? And he, what does Paul do? He, he thinks, oh, there's Pharisees and Sadducees here. Uh, there's a political divide between them. I'll just, I'll just throw this out. I'll say, actually, this is about the resurrection. And the ones who believe in the resurrection, went, well, if it's about resurrection, what do we, we find no fault in this man. And the Sadducees who don't believe in resurrection, all of a sudden they're fighting with, what, with one another. Now, Paul was pretty crafty, but he just did what Satan does to us all the time. That's literally what he did. You know, but what if we didn't have these landmines in our life? What if we didn't have these other priorities that were over and above loving my brother and walking in unity? What if we actually prized that more? Yeah, but I, I can't be in a church with somebody who wears that color suit or a suit at all. Right? The relative inimportance of all the things that we divide upon are to our shame. But God is doing this. He's making an indivisible group. So anyway, here's an interesting scenario. We go to this thing in BC last week, and uh, you know, we're 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 trying to bring a a cohesive message to the government of BC. So the law courts, while this, while this uh, suit is going on, that's, you know, trying to break out the log, log jam of churches not being able to meet at all. It's, it's the craziest thing, you know. Next door to your church, you could have 100 people within two feet of each other, you know, eating food, breathing on each other, spitting on each other. But right next door, you can't have 20 people meeting in a church. I mean, it's, it's nuts. Anyway. So we're there, and we're doing this concerted thing. And you know what? You know who shows up at these meetings? Some guy who wants a, a soapbox. So this guy shows up there, and he's standing at the back, and, uh, and he's got his little soapbox. Literally, he's got a little stand. I kind of have in my bathroom. And he, he's, he's standing on it, and he's at the back of the crowd while there's, there's filming, there's interviews for, for the news, there's all these kind of things. There's, there's speakers, there's worship. And he stands up there, and he starts talking about his version of the gospel and preaching and competing with the thing that's happening. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, this is, this is exactly it. What, what kind of spirit would motivate somebody to show up at somebody else's event 
you know, presumably also a Christian, but set up their little soapbox and make themselves, you know, you should all gather around me, not around that guy over there. Well, there was about three of them doing that. I think this is a manifestation of the enemy's desire to divide. And as soon as you touch the political realm, because it's all about power, it's all about spiritual strongholds, where there's a spirit behind that political world that as soon as you come to try to change, make changes or bring influence, all of a sudden within your own group, there's great division. Why do you think... I'm not going to go into further. I don't want to apply this to the natural. But we realize this, that our capacity to be one with one another is the single most attribute, important, critical attribute that God is creating in us. And the, the way that the enemy succeeds is by creating division. But it should be the other way around. He should be being scattered seven different ways. And we should be one. So God is looking at his people, and he's saying, listen, I'm, I'm promoting you. I'm promoting people right now. God is saying, I'm promoting people. If you're online, is this camera on? Yeah, if you're online and you're watching this, I'm telling you, God is promoting people right now. And the major quality, the major characteristics, not how prophetic you are, not how many words of knowledge you are, not how dedicated you are, but whether you are indivisible from your brother in your heart, when you have a regard for the body of Christ, when you have ability to, an ability to discern the body and to value the various parts of the body, God will increase your authority. It is the single greatest dynamic and element on which God judges and determines promotion in the body of Christ. He's trying to make us unscatterable, scatterproof. And if he can do that, we win. Amen. Father, we pray that you would do that in our hearts. As as you're putting your finger on all of our little idols all of our little things, all of our little secret compartments where, okay, I'll be a part of this group. As long as you don't touch this, as long as you don't touch this, I'll stay in this marriage. As long as you don't touch this, I'll stay in this club. As long as you don't touch this, my prized cow. What is your prized cow? What is your holy, holy final line? He will have it all. The kingdom of God is this. He will have it all. He will have it all. Amen. You know, as he was just finishing up there, it it reminded me of a a story that uh, Pastor Archie Benny once shared with me. Uh, He was talking to me about, you know, him and his brother. and, And Archie had a pretty rough relationship with his father. And and he always had looked at his brother and said him and him and dad just didn't have that connection. And then one day they were sitting and talking about, you know, some of the things that had happened. And he's given me permission to share this. But they were sitting and talking about some of the things that had happened to Archie. And his brother said, well, I can tell you some of the things that happened with me and dad, too. And Archie just kind of looked at him and said, that didn't happen to you. Dad treated you like gold. Nothing ever happened to you. And all of a sudden his brother just started to talk to him about No. No, there were a lot of things that happened to me from dad to Arch. And then his brother looked at him and said, and Arch, you did a lot of those things to me too. And they started to have more of a conversation, and Archie finally said to him, well, why did you always hang out with me? He said, because I loved you. And he said, and you know what? I forgave you before you did it. And that's what I did with dad, is I wanted to be with you so much that I forgave you before the moment happened. And those words have always stuck with me, is can we actually walk with forgiveness before the offense takes place? And if we can walk that way as a church, this unity that, he talks, that he's talking about is actually attainable. So may we apply the Bible that we all claim to believe and learn how to forgive before the offense. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. Father, thank you so much for who you are. Today, you're teaching us a valuable lesson. You love your sons and your daughters, and you're asking us to love one another as well. 
And Father, our desire is to come into that unity, but there are so many things within our heart that we don't even understand how they function and work. The resentments, the bitterness, the anger, the frustration, those things that creep in. God, right now we ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would just come in and remove those stakes that we've made in our heart, whether it's towards certain personalities, whether it's towards certain people, period. Father, whether it's just because of our upbringing, I pray in the name of Jesus right now that you would break those things that cause those immediate divisions, those immediate tensions, those immediate, immediate resentments. God, break those things right now in the name of Jesus Christ that our first response would be love and forgiveness, not hatred and division, but love and forgiveness. So I pray a blessing on this body as we leave now, a blessing to those people online. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody say, amen. Bless you.